Welcome to Away From The Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get away from the keyboard. Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name is Richie Rump, and with me are my co-host, Cecil Phillip. How are you doing this weekend, Cecil? Pretty good, Richie. What's going on? Well, uh, I had this whole weekend planned out. I was going to handle a lot of work and, and get a lot of stuff done, and I was just so unmotivated for it. So the only thing I really did was did a lot of research for my fantasy football drafts that are coming up. So how many leagues are you in for fantasy football exactly? So this year I'm in three. I'm in a league that I've been involved with 14 years uh, with a bunch of college uh, folk that I've known for, for many, many years. I'm in, involved in a uh, Twitter league that has a bunch of uh, web developers in it, and that is a very competitive league. It's something called the Keeper League, and uh, lots of fun. I got trashed in it last year, and I'm in another league with uh, some friends of ours from .NET Miami and some uh, other consulting folks, and I nearly won that one this year, so I'm really looking forward to bringing it home this year, but um, I really enjoy the whole fantasy football thing. I don't get to watch a lot of football this uh, anymore, but I still love to like look at stats and do that kind of analysis and things like that, so... Um, what about you, Ben? What what have you been up to? So recently, I've actually started teaching at Miami Day College down in Miami. Believe it or cool. not, um, I'm teaching what's the, called the the CS fifty X course. It's based on the Harvard CS fifty course that they put out. You know, it's their online introduction to computer science course. Essentially, um, you know, Harvard put this out so different colleges and universities and whatnot can look at the curriculum and you know teach it in their own in their own way. So I'm actually teaching the C-sharp version or the T-sharp section of the course. So we're going through .NET. We're going to do a little bit of ASP.NET, some web stuff. And hopefully we'll be able to, you know, really try and pique the interest of these guys to really dig into .NET and make it a, part, make it a career choice. Yeah, I can't think of anyone better than Cecil Phillip to teach people about ASP.NET and C-sharp, man. You keep up the good work. Yeah, thank you, man. I'm really excited about it. And it's been really fun so far. So I'm looking forward to what the next couple of weeks hold. So who are we talking to today? So today we're talking to a Mr. Pata Dunbar. So Pata is a full-stack JavaScript architect and professor of computer science at Miami Day College. Pata speaks over 10 languages, teaches people how to code, and he's also on a mission to write software that impacts a billion people within the next decade. Wow. And quick plug too, Pata is also teaching the CS50 course. He's teaching the JavaScript track of the course. So big up to Pata for that. So when he isn't traveling or contributing to Oversource, you'll often find him learning about all the things and teaching the next generation in universities, conferences, and community events. To learn more about his journey, you can follow him on Twitter at P-T-A-H Dunbar. That's P-T-A-H-D-U-N-B-A-R. Or you can go to his website at piratedunbar.com. You know, one of the things I really loved about this conversation was his passion for technology. And you, that just shows throughout from the first time we started talking to him till really the end and how excited he was. Even after you know 10 years of writing code and his community work, I, I think this is just a fascinating conversation. I definitely think what shows is not only his passion, passionate for code, but he's also very passionate for his community. And what's really interesting is to see how the community also kind of stepped up and helped him out through his incident. It's a really great story to listen to overall, I think, and, and really good to see how a great community can really help and support its members. So this episode was recorded on June 30th, 2015. And now our conversation with Patad Dunbar. And now, away from the keyboard's feature conversation. Tell me about the person, the engine behind of the product that came up. You know, and I, and I think it uh, over over the years, so I've been programming for the past nine years. Full, uh, you know, I, I got into it um, self-taught uh, when my mom's best friends. It's back in 2005. He was working on uh, this kind of website, you know, using front page and so forth. And before then was much into the video game, like I was just <laughs> playing video games and uh, sure. with the aspirations towards... You know, eventually going into that, you know, video game development community and creating my own games, that didn't pan out. And uh, luckily, I got inspired. My mom's partner, who was uh, working on this problem on this website, I boastfully looked at it and said, you know, I saw the how, how long it was. And I saw just by just recognizing it was HTML, but I didn't know what it was at the time. I just saw a lot of markup and text on the screen. And I was like, I could, I could trim that down. I could simplify your Because he was basically trying to simplify his his, uh, his task and his work. That's 
the initial spark where I, I started modifying that document and refreshed, you know, the web browser and saw the changes immediately that got me hooked. So uh, since then, I, I tried to learn all the languages I could. Just for our listeners that are that are on right now, so why don't you tell us a little bit about you and, and how you even got into to programming or interested in technology to begin with? Yeah. So uh, yeah, again, I, I'm a, I'm a late bloomer. <laughs> I uh, before the web which uh, I got started into uh, previously in Luxembourg at the time, just still growing up. We moved uh, We moved there early 2000s. You know, the entire family just kind of uh, moved over to um, switch, switch scenery. We went to school there, learned Luxembourgish, English, and all that. You know, we improved our English just by talking to the people because they didn't speak English. Um, and, they, you know, they went to to learn that i had a huge passion for languages at the time just by like no one spoke english and we were able to like teach that while also picking up their languages but then when i had to move to the states uh back in 2007 i moved to atlanta that's when uh my my mom's at the time i was 17 yeah I, she was a network administrator at george state through that she had a friend uh, his name was jeff jeffrey back with he was uh one day he was working on a problem for a client you know he was doing consulting uh, I just kind of shadowed him initially. I, I guess my mom wanted to like, sh- get me involved into the web, and that was the initial spark that started things off. Like seeing that long, like HTML document. It was tables at the time. This was before web standards and stuff. And so, yes, <laughs> I was like, "This is impossible. There's got to be standards." And luckily, I googled there were standards. So, I uh, pulled up my sleeves and uh, started learning the basics: HTML and CSS. And this was also around the MySpace times. And so I remember my first my first check online was a $47 check for a custom MySpace design from a guy that I didn't even know if he was going to pay me or not, but I still did the work. <laughs> and uh, I, I learned CSS through that. And I made some flash. Like, so I, I went from HTML and CSS to the flash because of the, the client demands. So they wanted, you know, more interactivity, crazy navigation, you know, all that Back in the day, Flash was that, you know, it took you out of those constraints of having to build the same page 15 times, right? So uh, Flash was the savior for that moment. So I built a few Flash websites, got up to speed with ActionScript 2.0. It's funny, uh, that was a, it's called Macromedia, also an expensive Adobe, well, Macromedia product at the time. So I, I used this alternative Flash program called Swift, Swish Max. Oh, I remember that. I played with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I played with that. I remember that. So, so yeah, I used uh, Swish Match. It had, it had the tweening. It had the ActionScript environment. It had all the go-to statements. It was, <laughs> yeah, it had just enough for you to be productive. Exactly. It, didn't, it wasn't exhaustive, but it got me enough to, you know, build it. didn't it. cost like a thousand bucks either. I know. It was, it was like <laughs> maybe 40, 50 bucks or something at, at the yep. time. So I was like, yeah, I, I scooped that up and learned as much as I could. And built, a, built a few uh, Flash websites, which from ActionScript that got me into XML because at the time that's the only way I knew how to like add dynamic uh, functionalities and, and content without having to update the uh, Swift files um, every time or the .fla files. So uh, you know, just communicate through the data portal using XML and parse that feed. And so uh, I got comfortable with XML and. From there, I came back to once the web standards. This is you know 2007. I uh, got back into the web standards because uh, again, Flash was rebuilding the entire environment from scratch every time. Navigation, how the mouse works, <laughs> like you, you could really go crazy with it. And some clients did, and I at the time didn't know when to apply constraints. So I went there along with them, and for better or worse, learned that lesson. <laughs> I, I went back to web standards when uh, CSS 2.0 was level two was uh, getting more um, supported across browsers. And yeah, I just was just constantly learning ever since, taking on client work. Uh, you know, I was freelancing at the time while going to school. And uh, yeah, just like devouring the industry and learning as much as I can from O'Reilly books. <laughs> and uh, yes, as, 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 as all the animals. All the animals. Oh, man. <laughs> you can't imagine. I practically lived at Barnes and Nobles, just the bookstores that just reading through the computer and tech section. <laughs> it, was, it was a fun time. What a lot of people don't know is actually <laughs> ActionScript was ECMAScript 4. Exactly. It was based on ECMAScript 4, which, you know, never really materialized into the browser. So a lot of the things that people are seeing today with ES6, like modules and um, 
type declarations, JavaScript had that already, or ECMAScript had that already. It just, it just yeah. never, I guess they, they just never made it into the browser. But, you know, Adobe was doing that stuff a long time ago. Yeah, and, and, and what I liked about Flash, so it went from a markup language to kind of a programming language. I, I really learned and appreciated the, the strong typed like, uh, aspect to it, like where it did allow you to define your types yeah. um, and, and, and set that, whereas just JavaScript is dynamically like variables and data going all over the place and transforming it, and that's the kind of source of a lot of programming bugs. But um, I, So I did, it did train me into understanding data and algorithms from a self-taught background, like not knowing array structures, not knowing how things were actually stored in a, in a binary format. It, I got, that was the initial grounding of running into a lot of errors because of, I, you know, the, the typefacing issue. So I, I learned a lot through that discipline. I know a lot of people are, are very much against types or, you know, explicit typing in, you know, JavaScript and ECMAScript based languages. But from a developer standpoint, from an application that's going to sit for years and years standpoint, like it definitely helps when you have the tooling to be able to go back and debug and confidently know this is what this is and this is what it does versus, oh, okay, well, this could be a function or, oh, this could be an object. Oh, maybe this is an event. I'm not quite sure. Let's keep going and try and see if we figure it out like, you know, two or 300 lines later. I think it's an N32. Maybe it's a 64. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Let's just guess. And that's the thing. Like, it, it really depends on what type of application you're developing. Yeah. Uh, is it just for fun, for play? Like, sure. I don't, you know, like type really doesn't matter at the time. Like, you're just, I just want to get it working <laughs> uh, versus like a business application or if, like something that you're probably going to have to sustain over over time. Uh, you definitely want to consider um, and have those initial constraints. It's definitely beneficial to avoid a lot of just common like logical bug errors and things like that that crop up over time. Definitely. And I mean, I can completely understand from the tooling standpoint, it obviously makes it a lot easier for debugging and stuff like, you know, autocompletes and IntelliSense and Visual Studio or being able to get um, like some inline documentation, like, like those type of tooling um, inspections and stuff like that. When you know, hey, this is exactly what this is, so I know what it could do and how it can behave. Yeah, and, and so look at PHP with Hack, right? They, they started adding more, adding more like strong type checking and static analysis tools to avoid a lot of the dynamic benefits but also like avoiding all those like pitfalls of like you know not knowing what you're passing and passing null all around versus false and not you know having a consistent cohesive standard and uh, around your code base like it just it just allows you to pass that like level of understanding about your code i know that i won't run into those type of issues so you could think and reserve that kind of processing mental power towards something else so i want to switch this up just a little bit WordPress is a big deal nowadays, but <laughs> you got you got involved pretty early, right? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, so I when I when I started out in the web, as I was telling you, uh, I went from HTML to uh, CSS to Flash back to HTML and CSS when web standards still kind of avoided JavaScript. wasn't You know, this was early iPhone days. Flash was still there, but I was noticing that. Wait a minute, they're they're probably going to get transitioned out. I I should probably learn JavaScript. That's when I started working at Georgia State University in Atlanta when my, uh, my mom, she was a network administrator there. It's funny, we had the same boss. <laughs> so <laughs> she would she would call me, you know, son, and I'll, I'll be like, no, this is a professional setting. Like, call me Mr. Dunbar. <laughs> 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 and I was, I was, what, 18 at the time? <laughs> so that she, she, it was, a, it was an environment where everyone was kind of a family. So it was like, <laughs> we had a lot of those kind of debates. So nice. uh, I, uh, I I learned WordPress after building uh, a static, like making the decision of either creating a static website with HTML and CSS and like tables versus a dynamic kind of CSS layout using uh, floats and divs. Once I, I chose the CSS part because I was, you know, web tables were being transitioned out and uh, web standards was granting good ground with um, CSS end guarding being highly shared across the web. Uh, I was very inspired by that. After I built that project uh, initially as a static website using just folders, you know, literally the names of the folders, like uppercase, lowercase, were relevant in the URL, and they wouldn't work otherwise. Like I didn't know how the we were using IIS uh, and PHP at the time, and uh, I that's when I installed. Like I, I needed to figure out a dynamic, you know, content solution, and that's when I got into WordPress after trying Drupal and Joomla um, and probably a few others. Um, I avoided the forms 
PD forms. There was a lot of just custom scripts for building your own like dynamic website. I, even through the O'Reilly tutorials, they taught me how to build a blog, but it had no security or anything. So I was like, I, <laughs> I'm definitely not going to use that. <laughs> so WordPress was the the choice that allowed me to didn't have too many kind of uh, hurdles in my in the learning process to like get results that was tangible that I could show. And so from there, I was just hooked. Like I learned PHP through WordPress and learned all the bad patterns (laughs) and and everything. Uh, So I I definitely have a love and hate relationship after after learning through the jungle and then getting coming out of this like forest. And and now I see how much like how bruised I am about like all the practices that I used to to use with procedural based code. Uh, I had to kind of retrain myself again. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, WordPress was, and, and still to this day, I use it, uh, actively support it. Like, I, I believe it's it's one of those software solutions that has the mentality of the user's concern is is the most important. Uh, and developers usually carry that pain of worrying, having to support legacy versions of PHP, MySQL, binaries, and so like of extensions and so forth, and having to deal with backwards compatibility. It's all it all sucks, but. At the end of the day, we're just tools in the, in the cog. We we're not the we're not the ones actually using and take and reaping the benefits of using WordPress, democratizing publishing. We're not we're not directly using this software to actually perf- get that outlet that change. So I, I believe that there's a certain level of sustainability that we have to have as a community for you know to just provide this ability, this tool that anyone can set up a, a website and and that it embodies this principles of open source philosophy like it's you you manage your own data it's like you have the ability to edit and modify the project if it suits you and you're attackable right uh, i believe that that is something that is going to be battled uh, as we progress in the web with all the wall guardians being put up all the corporations owning pretty much all your data where else are you gonna like what happens if they decide to close down a product and and what happens if there's the the recent password leaks going on? Like, it's good to know that you can manage your own data if it comes to it. And um, mm-hmm. there's people out there that share that same community. There's a huge community out there, 23% of the internet growing, of users that uh, share that same passion. It's great to be a part of a community that that truly cares about the web itself. It's like, it's altruistic in a sense. How did you get involved in being able to commit code to to WordPress? Um, yeah, so WordPress, it's open source. It's, uh, I, I first started using it for three years, uh, as a theme author. I was primarily building, uh, custom sites. Uh, the mantra WordPress was that you don't edit core files. I never looked in those directories. <laughs> it was basically the stigma. I just felt like guilty, uh, for where it go, it's to go in there. So for the first three years, I never really touched any of the core files, anything outside of WP content. I just was, didn't know it was black magic, but essentially, yeah, after I started, uh, getting more advanced with theme editing, getting more comfortable with those concepts, I wanted to extend that further. So it kind of just happened gradually with frustration, frustrations with like wanting to do more with WordPress, but not being able to, but then knowing that, wait a minute, this is open source. I can actually affect that. I can actually make that change. I just put myself in the fire hose where all the the commit stream from track and the newsletters. I was just reading and, and I was just a huge lurker just to try to understand how like how I could potentially contribute the code that I was personally creating little small plugins and hacks and they were they, they started off as little small functions like is child theme is a small conditional to to check whether uh, the current theme is a child theme. So, and th- those little small practices kind of added little sugar to ease the, the learning curve. And, uh, yeah, I just started gradually hacking on WordPress because of that. Like, there's, there's literally no barrier to entry outside of just an initial time commitment to understand the, the WordPress way, but also just the way of building a sustainable, uh, software system. I'm definitely not a WordPress expert in any way, shape, or form. Um, well, we could talk about that a little later too. but um what i want to ask you is so what do you feel the wordpress community is like today particularly in south florida i've seen online a lot of of people looking at you know a lot of options are coming up there's there's ghosts and people doing a lot of static file type 
website generation with Jekyll and those types of things. What's the, what's the WordPress community like for, for, I guess, developers and non-developers alike? Yeah, so specifically, uh, so in South Florida, we, have, uh, we actually have a pretty substantial group of WordPress users, about 2,000 members on meetup.com. Uh, along with uh, our annual conference, WordCamp Miami, which we bring a lot of um, really top quality like WordPress developers to Miami to present. But in terms of local talent, we do have some companies in the, in the uh, creative agencies that are that are using WordPress in a in a multi-site environment and complex like using using the WordPress API in like really interesting ways for their clients. Uh, another notable example would be. World, uh, World Media Interactive. Uh, they're in uh, Midtown Miami. They worked on uh, projects like the uh, NCL, which was uh, it's just you know, one of the cruise lines, NCL Escape, which is one of the cruise lines that that's that's out in Miami, along with Carnival and so forth. So there's there's talent here, but I think that Miami, given that it's large geographical landscape, it's hard to connect everyone. At the end of the day, you have to travel to a meetup that happens once a month or two or twice. Uh, after a long day and you just want to probably get home to your kids or your wife or your girlfriend and you don't want to hang out with a bunch of geeks. So there's that, you know, there's a huge diversity of, of talent here. Developer community wise, like we're still growing. There's a lot of WordPress users and marketers and businesses, but in terms of the developers, uh, market, uh, that's definitely growing over time, especially with Miami Data and FIU and, uh, UM teaching more web, web-based, you know, uh, curriculums, uh, geared around PHP and, and, uh, and web languages. So, so what about your involvement in the WordPress community? How is, how has that affected, uh, your life? So it's interesting. I, I, I initially started off just as a user, WordPress user back in 2005, 2006. This was version, uh, uh, 2.3 at the time. It was when I really started getting like, like, like full-time investment as just a user then I switched to a theme theme author, creating custom themes. And then I started switching to a plugin author and create, building plugins, you know, just small plugins, big plugins. And then I started hacking on core and contributing to WordPress. So I guess the most, the most notable one being around the 3.0 days when um, WooThemes, they uh, contributed a patch for the menus navigation feature that, that's currently available on WordPress. This was already late in the, in the schedule for uh, 3.0 to, to be shipped. We had a feature freeze coming up. I think that we, we passed it twice and there was a constant set of delays. And so luckily we got it in last minute. And uh, when we all checked it out, it was just like, all right, how can we get this to a state where we can ship it in a, in a, in a beta version for the, the community? And I, I, and I just was luckily in a position to be able to hack on it for three weeks full time. And I uh, was just pushing, pushing big patches. So that was, that was during my most active days when I was really getting into the core of like just actually contributing like large substantial chunks of, of code to WordPress, which was fun. And, and then transitioning out of that, like I, I, I did a lot of speaking engagements around, uh, different WordCamps. WordCamp Montreal stands out as one. San Francisco, Minneapolis. I went bowling there and, forgot my shoes and we actually had, I, I, I left with bowling shoes it was a long night <laughs> and it was snowing there and so that was a that was an interesting story it actually matched my outfit so it was it was quite quite uh it worked so was, <laughs> so literally you were sliding around <laughs> exactly <everywhere. laughs> it's the worst but, uh, there was a, a lot of people made fun of me so i was like i just took it whatever <laughs> but um, no it was all fun and games i so I, for after the major like the the contributions i was doing a lot of speaking engagements so i was just in the speaker track I spoke at WordCamp miami too like many years ago and I spoke at WordCamp europe i think that was the last one that i did publicly uh, but during that time I, after speaking less i started becoming more active in the local community in south florida here just organizing the monthly events and you know we've been having steady steady attendees of 30 on average 30 people coming in usually come you know it bumps up to 70 sometimes depending on the venue uh, again we've switched around a lot of venues to giving that different locations for the you know different attendees that come from Davie versus Boca Fort Lauderdale South Miami Doral Weston like they're all over the map so it's just it's hard to find a, a location that's central to everyone to that they can uh, they can attend consistently. So I was actively just getting more involved with people, and and then from there, yeah, we're, uh, organizing WordCamps. Been doing that for six years for WordCamp Miami. 
yeah, no. So it, I think uh, yeah, I've been steady with that, and and now I'm getting back in the blogging scene again, getting back into blogging, and I'm sure next year uh, I'll probably start speaking again. So uh, it's it, it's been transitioning depending on uh, my my current career moves, and uh, I've been always been involved at some level or another. After WordCamp Miami that happened last last month, literally the the following week, I started teaching at Miami Dade for the CS50 course. Oh, nice! An intro to PHP. Cool. So that was that was that was fun. Potentially next, I'll be able to teach WordPress at Miami Dade College. So uh, that looks like an interesting idea. I really love teaching. So yeah, there's there. I'm always involved at in some level or another with WordPress because I mean the impact that it's had. Oh my gosh, like. Just by just being you know, an open source hacker, like I, I love, I love its philosophy. Like you know, it's given me so much business indirectly, directly, like friends, like like just that I I meet when I go to work camps. It feels like a family reunion, meeting everyone again, and um, and just the level of like just like sincerity, like it's just real people, like like just interested in helping, you know, like each other, sharing knowledge, uh, and becoming better as a community. It's it's a really like opening community or not some some may see it as like elitist in, in a certain angle when you look at it compared to drupal uh which is weird but you know that's that's understandable to a certain extent in the programming perspective but as a whole community i think you know, they're they're super open armed armed like they, they definitely welcome anyone and everyone really glad to be a part of it so if for instance someone like me that has no idea about how wordpress works internally like how easy is it for me to start I don't know building extensions or custom themes or or really getting into knocking around maybe making my own products because I think you know Ree and Richie we've we've met a few people that have based businesses purely on WordPress extensions and that was the barrier to entry I guess for getting into something like that yeah so I, I, I definitely wouldn't phrase it as what's like easy uh, and I know there's a huge like when I go to regular PHP conferences like PHP architect, uh, PHP Tech, just other, just general principle, like general PHP language conferences. Yep. Uh, they have this kind of perception of WordPress, you know, giving its legacy, giving its code base. It's like if you download it now, it's, there's still a lot of procedural code in there. Not taking the context in, in mind with its backwards compatibility and its large user base, um, that uh, a lot of people just kind of have these perceptions of like it's WordPress is just easy, it's just fun and games, it's just for script kiddies, and and I kind of don't mind that because. There's this underdog approach that, you know, it's probably better that they don't like approach it in a different way because that allows actual people who don't come with these kind of like elitist principles in mind to actually join the community and, and actually learn through their own user path. I learn by learning PHP and I learn by creating WordPress themes. But there's many people who come in from an initial programming uh, background and they start creating plugins. There's other people who come from a marketing perspective and then start getting more hackerish with wanting to achieve more custom functionality. And then they start diving into plugins. A lot of people come from different angles, uh, but primarily with um, the addition of JavaScript and backbone uh, in the live and, and WordPress, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of parallel communities with, um, with job, uh, jQuery and, and backbone being involved with WordPress there's a lot of JavaScript developers that get involved and, and create primarily JavaScript applications out of WordPress. And that's really the hot area right now. Like, like that's something that I've been focusing on for the past, let's say, year now with building an entirely JavaScript-based application, kind of node on, on the back end, communicating to WordPress via WP API using the... Um, there's, a, there's a node client that communicates to WordPress as a back end. So essentially, I could build... MVP applications fairly quickly with just purely JavaScript and get all the advantages that are happening in the JavaScript community with ES6, all the new language features with generators and yield statements, while still having a familiar administrative interface for my clients that they're familiar with that works. And I can just lock that down and just solely communicate with that backend via JSON, right? That's kind of the, the latest blend architecture that's happening with WordPress now. And uh, it, it's really a lot of fun. What's your programming uh, background in terms of, like, how would you, like, what what applications would you consider, uh, like, exploring? Because not everything is, is best for WordPress, but uh, there are some valid use cases for it. I think that's an interesting segue, because that, that's one of the questions I, I wanted to ask you was, 
what is what is WordPress good for? You know, throughout the past few years, I've seen people use it from you know blog management tool to you know a marketplace to the overall content management system, you know, to et cetera, et cetera, et cetera to you know building full blown applications inside of it, right? Like, so, like, where does it stop? I guess, <laughs> like, for me, from me looking. From the outside, and it looks like there's a lot of stuff happening in there, and so that could seem a little bit intimidating. Like, yeah. like what are the what are the what are the, what are the educations like? Like, what do I need to be concerned about here? So here's okay. So let's take a look at the landscape. That so WordPress owns uh, like a lot of pe- a lot of websites are powered by WordPress, and for a variety of reasons, right? They can be affiliate based websites. They can be e commerce based websites with WordPress recently acquiring. WooCommerce, right? So they just upped the ante of shifting uh, the, the next uh, features. Uh, I'm sure are going to be heavily e-commerce based, or at least for the WordPress.com um, user base. It's really gotten to a point since, and I can, and I, and I only can compare it based on you know me entering the web back in 2005, like mm-hmm. and what was possible back then. There's a lot of problems on the web that are that that are now with WordPress with plugins that are that have been solved. They like literally have been solved. You no longer have to build an e-commerce system. You no longer have to build an events ticketing system because there's a, there's, first of all, there's many plugins out there that do just eat events or just e-commerce, right? There's, there's many events that just do portfolio based websites. There's many that take in, uh, real estate websites, right? Like with IDX integration, MLS feeds and so forth, autom- all automated using a REST, um, database system like there's a lot of really interesting architectures that people are using and getting the benefit out of WordPress but a lot of it spins around the idea that it's content driven right it's it's primarily you're primarily displaying content in in an archive format and a single format and, and just in list views and collections if you're dealing with content if you're dealing with a lot of content for a variety of purposes WordPress has a lot of valid use cases there if you're dealing, if you're dealing with a chat system, not so much. It's a lot of overhead that you probably wouldn't want to use WordPress for for a chat system for a real time, like events driven system. Like it's not, it's not what it's really made for. So usually for any kind of content heavy website where content is the primary focus, when there's where there's workflows around content and processes and forms, WordPress shines in that area. It's it's got a lot of it's got the ecosystem of plugins, over thirty thousand plugins that are free that you can download in one click, configure them, and achieve ninety ninety five percent of the functionality that you need to get you to the next level uh, for your business. Right? There's that five percent that though that isn't quite as easy. There's a and a five percent basically means that there's a huge there 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 is a, a quality gap. You know, any any anyone can create a plugin or a theme and submit it to the the repository. There are quality checks and, and standards in place, but I could create a new uh, WordPress theme or plugin, and, and you know, I'm running my agency, uh, but a proper full staffed agency, they 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 could also publish their own like in-house framework that you know they would eventually maybe want to add premium add-ons and so forth and and so there may be a difference in quality and and opinions and approaches because it's all php based they may use namespaces they may not you know there's a variety like php there's there's a variety of users using php and so you have to consider that and so quality assurance wise like you may not be able to get that like perfect like application that you've envisioned in a in a uml diagram or in a a technical specifications document but you will it will get you at least 95% there to allow you to it, it, you build up a little bit of technical depth to get you to the next level so that way you can maybe eventually re-architect it or have more time to do that right but if you if your content is primarily if it's if your website is primarily content based if you're dealing with forms and processes and like kind of those content heavy like collections of of, of data then uh, WordPress shines with that like the the database is, is very simple in terms of its architecture, but it can definitely shine with categorizing that content and displaying in a variety of formats for a variety of, of purposes, devices. It's, uh, it's something to contend with. So I want to switch this up just a, a little bit. You had a, a serious accident uh, not so long ago. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh... I think this was four years ago. Um, 
after uh, a WordCamp San Francisco, uh, literally the weekend after. It was I went there on a Thursday and I came back on a, maybe a Sunday. The accident happened. Uh, so my my sister and her best friend was visiting town, uh, visiting Miami at the time, and uh, actually never really said this story publicly. I shared it with many people locally here. Um, essentially, yeah, my my sister and her best friend were, were visiting, and uh, four like four o'clock on a on a Tuesday morning, uh, I was taking them back, uh, driving them back home on my motorcycle. I had a Kawasaki Ninja two fifty cc, and uh, and. I got that three months ago. Like, so I had the bike for three months and, you know, I was riding on the highways, very comfortable with it. Um, there were some quirks that I, I did run into some, you know, some learning curves, like with, you know, it was my first time ever riding a motorcycle. Uh, I took all the classes, like there was a week where, um, I took, you know, I, I rode on a 140 CC Honda, um, little motorcycle during training. Uh, beforehand I, I was going to get a Vespa, a 150cc Vespa, but, uh, after riding on that Honda, I, f- I felt that urge of, of wanting to get that acceleration because I know Miami traffic can be crazy. Uh, different culture and backgrounds, they have different ways of driving. And so I wanted to be able to accelerate out of any kind of given situation, which is why I upgraded to a, a Kawasaki. I, I really, I really missed that bike. Uh, <laughs> during that accident, yeah, yeah, that during that, that, that morning, four o'clock, uh, I drove my sister back. Uh, home. This was five minutes away. I took the back roads to avoid the traffic, and on my way back to get her best friend, that's when it happened. And uh, I, I, I don't, I don't remember what happened, but um, I blacked out. And uh, I, but essentially, I, I, uh, I hit the. Um, I did like a heartbreak. I was going twenty five thirty. Um, the lights were blinking uh, on both sides, so the lights were out essentially, and. Um, yeah, I did a I did a heartbreak based on the police report, uh, but I but but my body kept projecting forward, obviously with momentum, and uh, I so I I barged in face first into the taxi cab's window, uh, and I hit his head, and apparently he, and this is what's written on the police report, he ejects me out, and I actually messed up my rib, and just hit the hit the ground in the in the intersection by 15th and Euclid Avenue. And he, he hit a few parked cars because I, you know, with the collision, <laughs> I came out of nowhere. And, uh, and so he hit a few parked cars after, after this little intersection. It was a freak accident. It was... Um, so you went through the taxi? I, I face first. I wasn't wearing a helmet or anything. I left all that right next to the door. I saw it when I left. Like, I, I figured it was a five-minute drive. No big deal. Uh, you know, I was cocky three months in with the bike. I was excited to ride it every every single moment I could. Uh, it was uh, it was a great time. I really enjoyed that experience. I'm not afraid of the motorcycle after the accident, but yeah, I, I got I, I went. We both went to Jackson. Me and the taxi guy, like driver, and I woke up the next morning, Tuesday morning, at around ten, eleven ish, I think, with my whole family there, my mom, my sisters. And then like, that's when I, I was on meds, so I was pretty funny at the time, like just messing around. Like I was just laughing. I didn't know what was going on. Sure. But David, uh, David Bissett from the WordPress community, he came by. My like Michael Chacon, just a lot of friends came by, and 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 he told me, and I remember he mentioned, you know, hey, like the community, um, is is this okay if we share this? what happened do you need any help financially and so forth and i was like and i was like no 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 i was on meds so i don't know why he was talking to me <laughs> like i was just gonna tell him <laughs> anything but luckily he did uh he did post out on um on the, on the internet uh i think google plus and so forth on on twitter uh, about what was happening to give everyone a status update about what happened because i literally was at work camp san francisco the weekend before so everyone was in shock and and that's when it hit me after I recovered from the accident, how many people I affected and how quickly they responded. I, I was just in awe of, I just felt guilty and selfish of how like, I didn't consider the fact that there were this many people, like, like within 90 minutes, they contributed over $6,000 just with, and, 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 and food that they sent like for groceries over the course of the next month and taxi cab fares which ended up, you know, like, like Michael uh, Torbert uh, from Separify Media. Like, uh, there's just so many great people and great people in the WordPress community. Chris Miller from, um, from iThemes, 
um, Pete Mall from Range. Like there's there's just so many people I couldn't even name the list. So I compiled the list after uh, I, I became better from uh, the accident, and I uh, just wanted to just I didn't even know they set up a website getwellpatel.com and just to rally more people to help contribute. I mean, there were just so many things that happened during that that the I would, five days in ICU that uh, I was just like, my mom was like, who are all these people? <laughs> I'm the mother, like all these people like donating. So uh, it was it was quite funny to, like, I educated my mom, but she knew about, she came to a few work camps uh, when I spoke, but this is really when she saw like, wow, this is like, this is serious. <laughs> these people care. And I was like, I was really, I really appreciated that. I'm so grateful to be in a position where I'm not in a wheelchair uh, after that accident, uh, I can still code, I can still do what I love, and I have such great support of, from the WordPress community and from my friends and family. Uh, I, so, it's just, it, was, it was just an amazing experience. So what is uh, some of the other long-term effects that you've, you've had from the accident? Gosh, that could be its own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, yeah, ever since the accident, uh, as I told you during my transitioning, my role as a WordPress community member uh, I did different things at the times but during that accident that's kind of when I went low to, to recover regroup reassess what I was doing personally professionally with my career I think I ended up moving back to Luxembourg for the next year and that was that was a pattern that I did I, I moved to Luxembourg for a year came back moved there for another year I went to Thailand for two months and then came back to Miami I always came back to Miami for some reason or another but I always kind of I, I needed that travel to just kind of clear my mind and uh, reflect on what happened, and um, I, I I just don't know. I, I always I went around the accident area where it happened. And nothing comes back to me. Like the body is an amazing, just an amazing vehicle. Like like it takes care of you. Just mentally, you just kind of. I had to cope with it uh, psychologically. I had to like figure it out. Like I only have. I can only see out of one eye. I have optical nerve damage now. I, I signed up for all the second opinions for Baskin Palmer. I went best in the country, got their advice. They said, this is a permanent situation. Uh, I got a second opinion and they also said, uh, yeah, uh, go home. And I got depressed that weekend. And I was like, whoa, this is serious. I thought it was a simple accident. I'll just go get fixed up by the hospital. You know, we're in the 21st century. I thought it was a simple, you know, accident. I was five minutes away from home. You know, they could fix me up, right? Uh, it turns out, yeah, it was it was much more permanent than that. And I, I'm really glad that it was because I probably would have bought another motorcycle. It was it was actually cheaper to get that a motorcycle than to pay car insurance and buy, you know, maintain a car. So that's kind of why I made that decision. And I was, and I think that there was many lessons and I'm still even been learning to this day during that happened because of that accident it's just like reflecting on it maturing as a person as a human being and just living for the long term instead of being so intensely tied into the moment I'm very passionate about that so we had just recently met when the accident went down and everything and i was i i think i just attended my first word camp and kind of met a whole bunch of folks in the wordpress community around that time and i remember when the accident happened and I remember exactly what you said, and David had tweeted it out, and, and there was this website, and just the outpouring of get well, uh, pata, you know, what's going on, is he okay, and as well as just the, the financially, how generous the, the WordPress community was, and that really, that really struck me, and I think it really struck me to where, you know, I asked myself, is there a community that I'm a part of that would do the exact same thing? Because at the time, I was we start talking about creating a .NET community here in Miami. And that's one of the things I pointed to and talked to when I talked to anyone about possibly creating a user group in Miami was that's what I wanted the user group to be like. And I still bring out that story like, all the time, just, just your story and how the community outpouring and what I think a community should be. And I, I still, I'm still in awe of of the folks in the WordPress community and how they responded to your accident. And that only fuels my passion and energy to give back even more like the fact that we all have the same beliefs that in terms of you know believing in open source and it's and it's freedoms that the gpl offers and, and it's not specifically gpl it's not for everything but just the fact that community is that that sharing in terms of knowledge and and just 
as a person, like passionate, like I get to, when I go to these work camps, I actually go to their houses sometimes. And like, we actually have conversations outside of work and outside of like WordPress. And it's just like, these are real people. And I reflected also like so many times I was in awe because I learned PHP through WordPress. And then uh, I went on to many other frameworks. I went on to Zen Framework. I, I, I built apps in Symfony. I built apps in Zen, uh, Zen Framework too. And I built apps in, uh, you know, Yi Framework and other just contract-based work. And I never really got that vibe. And and, and it's not to compare in that complete extent, but it's just to kind of show you that I even personally was feeling some periods as I was learning these more advanced full stack frameworks with uh, more complete, they were more aligned to the engineering mindset and, and culture that, you know, they kind of played towards a little elitish towards the procedural based code that WordPress consisted of. And so a little elitist kind of personality came out in me too with WordPress and like wanting to move away from the WordPress community because I was onto better languages. I was onto Ruby now. I was learning, I was learning more about Ruby because I was, um, deeply involved in the chef community and understanding how to automate my infrastructure. And, uh, and so I was like, I, I can't program like, cause I was trying to remove all those bad habits. But then at the end of the day, it was really like, I want to be around those people. Like I, the software is gradually going to be changing. Like, so I don't want to base my opinions off the software. Software is not what makes the community what it is. Like it's the people there. And, and that it's hard, it's hard to get that from another community. Again, not to compare, but it's just like, it's a very unique, uh, like vantage point that you can, like, I'm glad just be a part of. The PHP community is a great community. Uh, I've been to many other communities around uh, their open source uh, ecosystem, uh, and they're all they all have similar qualities of sharing and you know uh, openness. I'm one of many stories of people in the WordPress community that they've they were in an accident or something happened. Someone put up a Kickstarter or fund, and people funded them just in, in a matter of just we're a team, we're a community. Like, just why would you not? Right. We're all just trying to look out for each other. So I really like that deep sense of like togetherness. And that's what really ultimately brought me back and helped, you know, help me align and understand like the, the many layers and lessons that happened after that accident. Yeah. I kind of go back to what Cecil says all the time. You know, software is, is, is not for its own sake. Right. It's for people. I think we as a community, as a community of professional technologists, not just WordPress or .NET, or it's we are we are a community of human beings, and uh, our our community. We all live on Earth. You know what we're trying to do with the web and the internet. Um, we're we're trying to build a better world using software to do that. Gosh, I, I learn I learn so much from all the other more mature communities out you know or more mature programming languages for instance the, the .NET community in, in Miami uh, I, I've attended several meetups uh, some specifically going around the concepts of solid using a solid base you know like you know using that structure in like design while you're you know creating your application and thinking about your architecture make sure that you write a solid based approach in your classes and methods again i'm coming from a cowboy like pirate php language where anyone can get started just by creating a function and some variables uh, and so I, I definitely learned a lot the languages are not that far apart like they're not that foreign like it's not too hard to pick up net and or at least just to glean the the file structure and the, the way classes are designed and methods are created to really understand the essence of what's what's actually happening under the hood like what messages are being passed across objects it's really the same thing if we look at it like that if once you get once you've been programming for a while like you see the programming like in all these languages are pretty much the same at this point we'd like to thank patel for coming on the show we appreciate his openness and sharing his story remember to tell your friends about the show and leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com or on twitter at aftk podcast you can also follow me at Cecil Phillip and Richie at Jars. That's at sign J-O-R-R-I-S-S. Yeah, you can't forget about the at sign or else you won't get to me. You can subscribe to the show via the website or on iTunes if you really want to know what makes us tick. Please sign up for our newsletter where you'll get extra episodes and you really will get extra episodes and behind the scenes access to Away From The Keyboard. Next on Away From The Keyboard, we'll have a conversation with software developer at Microsoft Technology Evangelist, Stacey Mulcahy. So over a course of three days, we made a game, some Hitler Unity and some C Sharp and I was tweeting about it and Adobe, they're so great. They were like, here, let's give her, you know, Creative Cloud license. And I was like, oh, that's so awesome. Like people are getting it. You know, we built the game or whatever and... She ended up getting like an internship out of that. I think it was like a mobile app company. 
you know, like basically started her career. And it's awesome. to thank you for listening to Away From The Keyboard. As a reminder, we will have new episodes each and every week. You can interact with us on Twitter at AFTK Podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Hasta luego! What do you do when you're away from the keyboard? I travel, I box, I go on Tough Mudder events, I, uh, I juice, I try to learn cooking, I try to speak more languages. I, I currently, I say that I speak 10 languages, I, I still need to learn more. Um, Programming languages don't count. <laughs> well, that'll, that'll trim it down to four or five. I, I, <laughs> but that's the thing, like, I, I, I try to, at the end of the day, like for the past nine years, I've been in tr- like in a dark cave, like involved with like and just getting intimate with those ones and zeros, right? Really understanding how they, how they, how they tick, how it works. Getting like hours and hours just trying to figure out errors and trying to figure out like what's going on with some other uh, PHP's, you know, developers, you know, code, like having to figure it out or even mines. Now I rather focus on people because that's the more interesting, that's the more complicated problem. Like software over time, it got easier. Right? It's challenging still, but it's at the point where people are more challenging. And so I try to do as much as possible to get out, the, get out the house, Toastmasters for communicating better. Yeah, I just try to stay active and get away from the computer. <laughs>